Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And you know, it's not just an exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. It's the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard Season 1 that we're talking about today. Part 1, something, something, something in Latin. Exactly. Is it the penultimate episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly? Probably not. We have plenty of free time to watch some stuff. So uh... that's right. You know, we're going to we're, we're going to continue the Star Trek with Aaron and Polly machine because you know once you get us going, you can't stop us. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can, but um, maybe we'll finally do the second part of that mirror universe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there'll be all kinds of stuff. You know, IDW has got several Star Trek comics coming out. They've got uh, uh, a Deep Space Nine comic that I think is coming out later in April. Oh, oh. Yeah, April, May, and June, uh, I think, for, for the Star Trek Deep Space Nine comic book that I'm interested in. Plus, Year 5 is continuing. They released one uh, either at the beginning of March into February that has got some of that, you know, Paramount Comics stuff in it. Uh, I'm, so hmm. I'm super excited about that. And they've got one coming out in, in June, God, from way back when, by Chris Claremont and Adam Hughes on art called Debt of Honor. I had that graphic novel back in the day. Yeah, that one was originally DC. It was around the time of, I'm going to guess it was four or five-ish time frame, mm-hmm. um, based, especially based on the cover, um, you know, and how William Shatner looks on that cover. But, Are you judging yeah. it by the by the Kirk hair piece? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, well, not just the Kirk hair piece, but also the um, the white fluffy collar. Yeah, the flared uh, collar. Yeah, the flared collar. We should collar. all have collars like that, by the way. You know? <laughs> they just come up like like Dracula's cape around you. I love yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I actually do. I you know um, the 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 80s was you know quite a uh, a fantastic time for prestige format and graphic novels. Uh, and this actually, this came out in July, 1992 is when it originally came out as a hardcover, mm-hmm. uh, graphic novel. Yeah. It's like what? 96 pages or something like that. Yep. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I, I remember, you know, I mean, I don't remember it specifically, but I do remember the cover. I remember, um, the original cover was a uh, kind of purple around the sides and it had Kirk and, um, Spock on it. Uh, pretty striking cover. So they, they, you know, they've gotten a new cover for yeah, this. Yeah, uh, the new cover doesn't have Spock on it, and I'm going to guess it's because of that Me Too moment that Spock is having. You know, with uh, Spock's having a Me Too moment. Well, yeah, it's that uh, forced mind meld he did in uh, Star Trek uh-huh. Six: The Undiscovered Country. You know, hashtag yeah. Me Too, hashtag Spock. So uh, you know, it's 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 you know they've got to they got to they got to take him out of that kind of stuff. Spock has fallen out of favor. So the title of this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, which was episode nine. Nine, um, the the penultimate episode that we referred to earlier, uh, like like Aaron said, it's it's in Latin, et in Arcadio ego, part one, and I probably butchered that, and uh, you know whatever. Do we know what that means? It means you're watching the second to the last episode of Picard. Is that what it means? It does not. <laughs> it, it is. Um, it's it's a reference to I think a classic painting, uh, and it's it's something along the lines of like. I'm in even in Arcadia. There am I. Like even in Paradise, here I am. And oh. the I is a reference to death. Oh. Like even in Paradise, which is you know applicable to this episode of Star Trek Picard, there is death. And so I think that's you know that's what they're taking inspiration from. It's it from is. an old uh, 1637 painting. That's right, by Nicholas P. 
Poussin. I actually I happen to love Poussin. He's uh, one of my favorite artists. Yeah, the leading painter of the classical French Baroque style. Uh, it depicts a portrayal scene with idealized shepherds from classical antiquity gathered around an austere tomb. Mm. It's held in the Louvre, Paul. You are literally hearing us Wikipedia right now. <laughs> that is the sound of Wikipedia happening. <laughs> right in your ears. <laughs> we saw at the end of the previous episode, the our, our heroes in the La Serena exit the uh, Borg Transwarp Conduit and head out to the, uh, the Synth homeworld. Well, we start this episode and they're still in the Transwarp Conduit. So we backed up a few seconds and they... You know, it's all shaky and shimmer, you know, uh, you know, a lot of turbulence and whatnot. And here's one of the questions I have for you, Paul. I've never understood why on these starships where things get knocked around all the time, you know, you, you have the the Star Trek acting where you're going to the left and you're going to the right, you know, because, uh, you know, bad things are happening. You're getting hit by phasers and photons and, you know, subspace wet eddies and that kind of thing. Why do you have all these loose things on your on your table in your uh, in your personal quarters? Well, I don't think you intend on going through a subspace corridor, and you don't plan to get shot. You're when yeah. you're an explor an exploration vessel, an exploratory vessel. But you know, Gerardi and I assume that she's in uh, uh, Captain Rios's quarters. She's hiding under his desk. He's a one man ship. You know, if he's going to run into trouble, all that he knows all that shit's sitting on his desk. You know, I don't understand why that crap's not secured like it would be on a submarine, you know? I don't understand that. You know, on a submarine, they've got the, the special stuff that doesn't roll off your table, and they've got the lips at the edge of the table so that stuff doesn't go flying off. Why hasn't Starfleet perfected this technology? And, you know, I, I know that the, that the La Serena is not a Starfleet ship, but why haven't uh, merchant cruisers, you know, figured that out? We figured it out in the 20th century. Is this lost technology in the 24th century, Paul? Perhaps, perhaps just like sleeves. I feel like, <laughs> like, like, like drilling shit down on a table uh -huh. and sleeves are technology that has been long gone yeah. in the 24th century because I think there was only, I think only, only Patrick Stewart covered his old man arms in this episode. Everyone else wore a tank top, was sleeveless, or just didn't wear a shirt at all. They got to show you those guns, Paul. They got to show you those guns. They worked hard on those guns. You know, they, they come blasting out of the, uh, of the transwarp conduit. And, you know, they, they have emerged 25 light years away from where they started in the course of about 15 minutes. Uh, Rafi turns to Soji. Nice work, honey. You got us here really damn fast. And I am never going to do that ever again. Like calling her honey, I guess, was the thing that she's not going to do again. No, I, I think she was referring to going through the, the, the conduit because it was so so rough and tumble. Yes, oh, I really? mean, it was only 15 minutes and, you know, uh, I don't know why. The, I thought it was the way I thought it was the way she said it. That was the issue, not the fact that they had gone through the transport conduit. Thank you. I appreciate that clarity, Paul. No, I, I took it as, you know, you did a good job, but I'm not doing that again. But, you know, as we saw last week, Narek was right behind him. And so he emerges from warp. You know, starts you know blasting him. Picard complains, but you know she deactivated the, the 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 tracker. How could he possibly be here? And they throw this away, and it just drives me crazy, Paul. It's one of those things that just drives me crazy. Uh, Soji just says, "Oh well, he must have extrapolated our course from our last known position." But you know that was before they got in the in the Borg transwarp conduit. I mean, it's strange to me that. He's able to catch yeah, up. I did find that interesting. I mean, they basically it, just threw it away. They're like, oh, he was probably just following us. Or, uh -huh. you know, oh, he just, you know, he just figured yeah. it out based on where we were going. It's like, then why didn't he do that to begin with? Why all this rigmarole about the tracker uh -huh. to begin with when, oh, he just figured it out anyway. And, you know, that's that's just a little bit yeah. of lazy writing. And quite frankly, it, a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm, there's another piece of this scene that I want to reference, which is Gerardi. You know, she's freaking out. Under the table, like, oh, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. You know, space travel's horrible, blah, 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 blah. They come out of the subspace conduit or whatever the hell it's called. And she, it's a Borg transwarp conduit, Paul. Borg transwarp conduit. She comes up to the bridge <laughs> and she starts cracking jokes and everyone's like chummy with her. And I'm like, she just she just, she just killed somebody uh -huh. like a couple days ago. Uh -huh. And now you guys are chummy with her. And, th and the, you see that throughout the episode. They're basically like, hey, you weren't in your right mind. Sorry. 
All good. It's all good that you murdered a friend of ours, that you murdered literally someone that we spent six episodes searching for. Uh-huh. You, you were you were mind-melded. You weren't thinking straight. It's all good. You're a murderer, but not your fault. Like, I feel like that was in – that wasn't earned. She didn't yeah. earn that redemption. And, no, I agree. You know, they, they do reference later in the episode, like, do you want to earn your redemption? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, but they kind of already forgave her, so – Well – like they're you know, over it. Picard and company forgave her, but she hasn't forgiven herself. I haven't forgiven they, her. I haven't either. I haven't either. And I got to tell you, you know, we'll come to the scene in a minute. But just remember, put a pin in this because we're going to come back to it because Narek has come in behind them and, and he's all shooting at him and everything. And I thought that there was some really nice uh, special effects here and actual tactical thinking where, you know, they're they're shooting back and forth and whatnot. And they scan him and show that his ship is damaged, right? And they're like, oh, you know, uh, ship's uh, flying out of control. It's going to crash, yada, yada. And, and I mean, Soji is like, leave him. Let him burn. Because you know, she's right there. She wants to see him burn like Renee and Robert, right? Uh, <laughs> and you know, just like, like Robert. Yeah, just <laughs> like them. Uh, but you know, Picard's like you know, Ruffy, stages. He's alive, barely. His pulse is almost undetectable. It's a trick. And if it isn't, we just let him die. He attacked us. He has no one but himself to blame. There's a difference between killing an attacking enemy and watching a wounded one die. Beam him to sick bay immediately. Okay, let's beam him up, and they drop their shields to do that. And it turns out that he was using his cloaking device as an image projector. So it sh- it showed his ship where it wasn't, and it showed an an image of a ship that didn't exist, right? So he's actually cloaked, projecting that image, and then he jumps uh, out of cloak and begins firing on them again. Uh, which is when Paul, I got so excited. When when Seven brings the big Borg cube just boiling out of the transwarp conduit. And it looks like we're going to have some, some fun Borg cube shooting up the Romulan action there. But no, just like an android, <laughs> the, uh, the android planet launches their defense system, Paul. A defense system of orchids. Giant flying orchids. Giant flying space flowers. Uh-huh, that uh-huh. Uh, that hit the ships and depower them and pull them down into the, onto the planet. Uh, I, uh, I I was rather surprised by this. What is that? I, I think I, th- I think it's an orchid. You know, it's it's a big flower. It looks like an orchid. What do you call those? I think we call them orchids. And it you know brings them all down. And as they the La Serena crashes to the planet, and I guess the orchid helps them land. You know, so that they're not just crushed because they've got no power on any of their systems as they go down. So the orchid, you know, brings them down safely. They look back and, you know, Jean-Luc Picard is having a seizure, a, a stroke, some kind of moment where, you know, he's just saying, thank you all for coming. And he's just out of his head. And we, you know, go to credits. He wakes up in sickbay with Gerardi. And she, you know, none of the power is working. You know, they had to open up the shutters overhead to let in some, 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 uh, daylight. And she's using an old school tricorder and she scans his neurological disorder that he's been having. And so, you know, he, there's this very dark sort of moment where he says the, the tricorder is not malfunctioning, you know, and, you know, she just almost just completely loses it when she finds out that Picard is dying. Picard takes Gerardi, they go into the rest of the ship, and, you know, he explains to them that, you know, by the way, I am dying, I've got this condition, and, you know, if anybody treats me like a dying man, you're, you're going to run the risk of pissing me off, he says, um, in his Shakespearean English. I was just, it, it just seemed like all these these secrets that we have held throughout the show, and of course it's time to, to, rele- to release them, but it just kind of cracks me up that, okay, I've been keeping the secret from everybody, but now I'm just going to tell everyone. Yeah. And, you know, later in the show, he seems to get annoyed that people are telling his secret when he at no point said, by the way, keep this to yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like everyone amazing. that he's come across with on the show now knows the secret. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Borg cube went down at the same time. And, uh, you know, 
Rafi speculates that there's no way something that huge, you know, could have survived the crash, that the orchids weren't designed to bring down a ship that big, even though they did, but not designed to bring it down safely. They, they, they take a walk over to where the Borg cube came down. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like, you know, we got to go over there because maybe Hugh and Elnor are still alive. And, of course, they get over there and it's Elnor and Seven. And they didn't know about that Hugh had been, been killed, but now they do. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a crashed cube, uh, but they decide that uh, there's some they can they can bring some of their uh, their power up because they've got all these extra power packs. So you know they're bringing a food replicator up. Uh, Picard's like you know what we could really use is some long range scanners. And I got to tell you, I think that was a bad decision, Paul, to bring up the long range scanners. I think you're better off not knowing about the 218 Romulan warbirds coming your direction. Because you know, since there's not a, <laughs> since there's not a damn thing you can do, wouldn't you rather just live the last two days of your life thinking that everything's cool, no problems here? <laughs> <laughs> no, because maybe they can plan to uh, to do something about it. To to die slower is that what yes, they can do? They can exactly. plan to die slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I have uh, I, I have run a lot of Star Trek role playing games over, over over my life, and this sounds like like a dick move that I would make. You know, players find out there's 218 Romulan warbirds because I did run a game where, you know, uh, there were eight board cubes that the players had to deal with. And after they had solved those eight board cubes, here came 64 more. Uh, <laughs> so I I, 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 I I see what they did here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of chuckled. <laughs> <laughs> we call that the Aaron maneuver. That is right. Well, you know, El- this is where Elnor finds out that, you know, Picard's dying and, and you know, and he, you know, Elnor is one raw emotion after another. Right. I mean, he just feels everything all the way out there because, you know, absolute candor. And, uh, you know, he's really sad. He wants to, he wants to go back and take, take care of Picard, protect him because he needs more protection now than ever. And, you know, Picard's like, no, you've got to stay here with Seven and do your thing. And, uh, you know, he's like, but this could be the last time I see you again. That's true of any two people who are saying goodbye. As he's leaving, Seven of Nine says, you know, keep saving the galaxy, Picard. And Picard returns with, that's your job now. And I guarantee you, it's a Fenris Rangers TV show coming, Paul. I guarantee you. (laughs) I am sure. Guarantee (laughs) you. If that didn't sound like a mission charge, I don't think it The crew wanders across the, uh, the the several kilometers between the Borg, the crashed Borg ship and the La Serena over to the Capellia Station, which is where all the, 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 the androids live. And who do we meet, Paul? But Dr. Alton Inigo Sung, the son of Dr. Noonien Sung, the uh, the uh, creator of Data. And, uh, you know, strangely enough, he looks just like Brent Spiner. I, I think it's great that, you know, I think it's pretty hilarious that the mother contributed zero, zero genes to this transaction. <laughs> not, not a genes. Well, and, and, you know, all those songs look alike because you remember uh, Brent Spiner played the uh, the guy who created the augments. Yeah. In, in, in uh, Enterprise. In, yeah. And after he failed with the augments, he's like, hmm. Maybe I'll try artificial intelligence, you know, which started yeah. this whole thing. Started the whole damn thing, Paul. They should hop back in. They should slingshot around the sun, go back to Star Trek Enterprise, and kill Brent Spiner. That's <laughs> Duh, I mean, that's really that is the only <laughs> clear-headed solution here. Yeah, I think that solves this whole problem. That would be how I would how I, how I would resolve this show. That you know, done. You know, it'd be kind of a downer ending for uh, Star Trek Picard season one, but that's how you do it. Well, you know, I feel like we're in for a downer ending anyway, which we'll we'll, we'll get to here momentarily. So, you know, we're we're here at Capellius Station. We're meeting all the beautiful androids, right? And they're all twins, so you've got all these twin shots, you know, around. And, uh, you know, they all get together and they start talking about, you know, what's going on. Here's what I know. Here's what you know. All the androids are happy to see Soji. They've missed her in the time that she's been gone. It occurred to me in this scene that Soji and her sister Dodge are like Odo in Deep Space Nine. Because you remember Odo was launched into space by the founders when he was a newborn changeling, mm-hmm. right? To go out into the stars, learn about the solids, come back and tell the, tell the founders about it. 
Well, it's kind of what Soji and Dodge do, right? You know, yeah, they, they don't get to spend any time at home after they're created. Uh, Bruce Maddox takes them off into the stars and points them at places he wants to find out about. You know, he points Dodge at the Daystrom Institute uh, to find out what's going on there and bring that information home. And he points Soji at the Romulan at the Borg artifact to find out what's going on there. It just seems it, that was finally that just I was like, duh. Why, why didn't I pick up on that nine episodes ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it all, you know, really more made sense in the context of this episode. True. So we also meet, you know, remember Jana was the android that came to the USS Ibn Majid, uh, Captain Rios's old ship where he was the executive officer. And, you know, Jana was the one that his captain killed, right? Well, we meet her sister because remember they're all twins, right? Uh, we meet her sister, Sutra who looks an awful lot like a much earlier model of Soji, right? You know, same same actress, yep. uh, Issa Briones is, is playing her. But she's got the yellow eyes and sort of the goldish-hued skin and, of course, is uh, dressed to show a lot of skin. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, well, her name, is, it's the Jana Sutra, right? Those are the twins. So uh-huh. I, I feel like that was intentional. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, as one might guess, Sutra is hot. Well, in Sing, you know, he seems like he could be a dirty old guy. Oh, yeah. He's, no, got, he's got, like, you know, as they go to this planet of the synths, you know, they're running around without shirts on, without oh, sleeves. Yeah. It's just nakedness everywhere. Well, and Sutra, her in the way she moves, the way she talks, you know, a lot of her physical acting is very sensual. She's in a lot of your personal space. You know, uh, you know, uncomfortably so in a couple of scenes, and she just moves her head in in a very uh, I don't I don't want to call it seductive. I almost want to call it lascivious. Right? There's just something that just seems borderline inappropriate in the way she interacts with people uh, physically. But you know, she comes out. You know, everyone's talking about. Well, you know, we've got a we got a we got a ship. You know, we can we can load you folks up and you know get out of here. You know, before the ROMs get here. And she's like, actually, you know, Picard tells me that Doctor Girardi had this mind meld with Commodore O, and I'd really like to see this whole uh, you know. Uh, you know, admonition thing you guys are on about, you know, the thing that drove you crazy. So she mind melds because, you know, she's a, she has been studying all the the Vulcan ph- philosophers. And I really bumped on how uh, Dr. Sung pronounced the name Surak, you know, Surak. Yeah. Surak. She's a student. She's a student of Surak. Uh, <laughs> that 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 really bothered me because, <laughs> you know, in all of Star Trek, he's been Surak, but he's Surak. Anyway, so she has, she, you know, she's done some, 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 uh, highfalutin book learning. And apparently, you know, you just, you know, all you need is the uh, dummy's guide to Vulcan mind melds and you can actually do it. Uh, which, you know, I thought was interesting. I'm going to get that book because that's how I'm going to evaluate my staff from now on. So I'm just going to, yeah, you don't need evaluate. to be a Vulcan. You just need to have studied in the, 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 the ways, which, you know, apparently really just involves sticking your fingers on someone's face and saying, you know, my mind to your mind or whatever the hell it is. Well, and and putting your head inappropriately close to the other person, because, I mean, there's this moment you're like, is she going to kiss Dr. Girardi? <laughs> you know, because I mean, was, that didn't occur to me, Aaron, but I am sure <laughs> you, much like Soong or whatever the hell his name is, were, were thinking inappropriate things. Well, I, I'm just saying there was some heat there, but, uh, <laughs> Way go. but, but, you know, she, Dr. Girardi experienced the admonition as Commodore O did, which is a jumbled, terrifying message, which is just doom, doom, doom. Sutra is able to decode it because we find out that the admonition is a message from synthetic life to other synthetic life for synthetic life. So as an artificial intelligence, Sutra is able to understand the message. And the message is simply organics are bad. You know, the organics seek seek perfection and you know because they're seeking perfection, they create artificial intelligence. And because organics are organic, they can never achieve perfection, but synthetics can. And that's why the organics hate them. What the, what this winds up being is a calling card that says you know, if you call us, we'll come, and your evolution will be their extinction. That's pretty scary. 
Well, who do you Please. think that is? Because, you know, it, it, it would be odd if it wasn't connected somehow to something, right? To something we've previously seen. I, I, I honestly believe it's something other. I don't think I don't think it's a race we've seen before. This is one of my theories. I'm throwing out theories oh. here. This is theory okay. day with Aaron and Paul. Hit, hit me, Paul. I think when the discovery went 900 years in the future, mm-hmm. control went sometime into the far oh. past and oh. far past and far away. Because um, if you remember in the season finale of Discovery, it's not like they were you know anywhere close to Earth or anything like that. So I feel like maybe this is control fully evolved in a, you know a far distant sector. Clearly, you know would have an issue with you know humans will fear AI, they will destroy you, blah 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 blah. But but you know maybe over time, depending on how far back in the past it went, maybe evolved to a point where you know it it. it you know, it's been planting the seeds rather than just doing the full-on assault like it tried in Discovery Season 2. I could see that. I, yeah, Legitimately, I could see that. The admonition does say that they exist outside of time and space, mm-hmm. which which that could very well speak to control. Given what how, you know, Discovery yeah. Season 2 ended. Absolutely. So that's that's my theory. That's, that's, that's the first theory I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to throw another one out here shortly. Uh-oh. We break up, you know, from, from the debrief, and everyone's a little alarmed by uh, the deciphering of the admonition. And uh, Gerardi and Sung adjourn to his lab where, you know, he tells her, he says, you know, you've done a horrible thing. Uh, Sung tells Gerardi, you've done a horrible thing. You're killing Bruce Maddox. You know, you, you, you snuffed out a, a beautiful candle. But he offers her redemption. He get, you know, he says you can you can give a life for the life that you've taken. Very pointedly, we see that he and she, uh, she Dorati says this that he's made a golem. He's made this sort of blank slate android that would allow him to you know transition a, a an organic intelligence into the body of an android, and this becomes uh, pertinent because we find out that Soong is sick. And if you remember. Dr. Noonien Sung, who made Data and who is this guy's father, had a neurological ailment. He had, had a terminal illness. I'm not sure if it was neurological or not, but he had a terminal illness. And I imagine he's probably got the same thing. It's probably genetic, still incurable. And, you know, he's looking for his escape boat, right? He's looking for his lifeboat to, uh, to be able to continue to live. But, Paul. This is my second theory. Yeah. Oh, 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 am I trampling on your te- theory? You go. Go, Paul. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that uh, I don't think that, uh, that Dr. Sung makes it into the uh, Gollum. I think it's going to be Captain. I think it's going to be Admiral Picard. Exactly my theory. And so yeah. that is, you know, my, because they, they laid on heavy handed. You know, at the beginning of this season, they're like, hey, Picard, you're dying. And he's like, oh, that's yeah. sad, but I've got shit to do. Right. right. And in this episode, it's like, like every time someone sees them, they're like, hey, this may be the last time I'm seeing you. So goodbye. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Like they laid it on thick. Like Picard is ready to fucking die any second now is, is how they yeah. it has, is how this episode felt. And I'm like, they're laying it on thick. They set up this mind transfer into the Gollum thing. I think the season will end with Picard's mind transferred into the Gollum, which leads me to my second part of this theory. <laughs> God, it's a it's a theory with multiple parts. It's a multiple part theory. Well, the second yeah. part is really more of a question, which is, I think that I think that that's going to happen. Period. Now the question is, will Picard season two feature the Gollum played by you know the go- you know the Gollum but played by Patrick Stewart, or are we seeing Patrick Stewart hand the role of Picard onto a younger actor? And, you know, they've already planned three seasons of Picard, supposedly. It's planned as a three-season arc. Is now the show about learning to become Picard less than, you know, the twilight years of Picard? Because, I, I, like, will Picard die in the next week's – in this coming week's episode, transfer his – you know, consciousness into this body that has to learn to become him. And, you know, that's why it's called Picard. It's about becoming Picard. Kind of like the rise of Skywalker is about right. Ray becoming Skywalker. Is this now going to be about this synth becoming Picard? That's the, those are, that's my, my theory. Cause you know, I feel like given the way this season has gone, I don't know how Patrick Stewart, not to be a dick about it, but I don't no. know how Patrick Stewart survives three years of this television show, given that he can't do 
any action. He can't do really anything other than stand and give speeches. If you if you recast a younger actor who has his mentality and maybe use Patrick Stewart as the force ghost ish, you know, like in the head, you know, voice in the head kind of thing. You still have Picard, Patrick Stewart, but we have this other actor who is younger and can do some of the more action based things for the second and third season. I, you know, I was wondering something similar that they don't create something CG or just very artificial looking. So it could be any actor in it, but the voice is always Picard is always Patrick Stewart. That was one thing I was wondering. Um, and you know, having someone sort of ape his mannerisms, uh, or I, you know, you know, to your point, it could be another actor altogether. Um, we know that Patrick Stewart's going to continue being involved in the show uh, as executive producer, but the question is, does he remain as uh, Patrick Stewart physically in the show? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I could see that happening. And, you know, I, I do feel like the creators of this show are happy to make big, bold moves. So they could absolutely surprise the pants off of us here. Well, and you know, they said it took a while to find a story that Patrick Stewart was happy with. And perhaps Patrick Stewart wanted, kind of like the Harrison Ford, like, yes, I will come back if you'll kill me off. Yeah. Um, and, and perhaps that's what we're going to see here. But you got to kill me better than that bitch death Captain Kirk. Guy. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like Captain, I feel like. Regardless, next episode, we'll see Picard transfer his consciousness into that golem. The question will be if the golem assumes his form or if the golem will be played by a different actor. Um, And to your point, you know, Patrick Stewart will still be executive producing. Maybe he'll still be there physically. Like I said, you know, as a as an embodiment of Picard in the mind of this and of this uh, synth. Um, But they've already essentially established that synths can be humans. So I, I feel like the end game is here that. They've established this entire season literally to set up that Picard is going to transfer his mind into a very human synth, um, you know, human-like synth, and we'll see some of that, uh, you know, in the the next two seasons. You know, it could be that the synth winds up looking like Brent Spiner, but it's Brent Spiner doing a Patrick Stewart impersonation. Well, that that would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's how it works. But no, I gather because the, the the golem looked rather indistinct. I guess that it adopts the features of whoever gets imprinted on it. I thought right. you know, and I thought I was thinking that too. But I'm like, it doesn't make sense for me as if I were a writer on the show or producer on the show. It doesn't make sense for me to set up this whole aspect of Picard having to transfer his consciousness into another body. Yeah. To just still have the same aged actor? Yeah, to still have the same limitations yeah. of using the same actor. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I, it, it, and that's what I'm struggling with as well. Because uh, you know, the I- ideal is that if you're going to have that switch up, and you know, you and I, you and I feel like they, they have this limitation uh, with, with Patrick Stewart just because you know he's not as nimble as he used to be. Maybe they don't feel that way, but if they do... It would make sense to do something like that so you can carry the experience of that character into a new generation, essentially. It would be interesting to see. And I would think yeah. that, that Patrick Stewart would love the challenge of, you know, I get, to pl- I get to play this guy that I love and he's experiencing something completely new as, you know, an android figuring out life in this new body. See, that seems like a story that the, 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 that seems – like maybe the story they're going to go with. That's just a theory. I'm putting yeah. it out there. We will find out next yeah, week. Yeah. And, but, you know, because I've not seen. Well, we might find out next week. I'm guessing, you know, they're they're transitioning his body in the final moments of the oh, uh, yeah, uh, next week's episode. And it's like, did it take? Did it take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Know. And then we'll find out at, at some point if, uh, you know, who's if this is going to happen, who's been cast as Picard in season two, because that's not something they're going to announce. They're not even going to hint yeah. that someone, you know, has been cast for season two of Picard, you know, given that, that that's a, right. that's a big thing. And and I will tell you, it will be a struggle for me as a fan. Um, while it may be an interesting story, it will be a struggle for me as a fan because of my feelings about, you know, that we've spoken about in, in, you know, ad nauseum about the current crew. Of the uh, yeah. the ship, yeah. Because I, you know, they they are not my investment in the show. Picard is, and uh, you know, depending on the actor, perhaps I would be interested in that actor's portrayal of of Jean Luc learning to be 
Picard. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if it would be, it would be interesting for me to have a show called Star Trek Picard without any real, without yeah, Picard, Picard. You know, <laughs> without the Picard yeah. that I've known for thirty years. If they were going to do something like that, I don't know that I would do the show called Fenris Rangers. I would instead bring Jerry Ryan and uh, Elnor uh, back to this crew. Because you know those are the yeah. those are the two characters other than Picard that I've really wanted to see more of, and I hate that we haven't gotten much Elnor. Yeah, they said they, you know, they said a bit, more so than anybody else, really, because they spent yeah. an entire episode on Elnor. They didn't on the other characters. Right. Um, they spent an entire episode literally about Elnor, and uh, yeah, I feel like his character has not been. You know, he, he's still very much. You know, he he he's still there's there's more meat on the bone there, and so I would like to see more there. They keep taking him off the field, essentially. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I have, uh, I, I, I'm not real wild about the fact that we haven't gotten to spend much time with him. It was like you, you spent this time developing this really great backstory, and then we've done almost nothing with him, you know. And he's had, you know, Elnor's doing a ton of stuff. It's just not stuff we're getting to see. Right. I mean, it's always every time he he goes into nun killing or assa- nun assassin mode, you know, they, they they cut away and we come back and there's all these bodies on the floor. Right. I, I want more time there. And, you know, if you are going to take Sir Patrick Stewart off the show, I think that, that you should bring other characters back in that we really know and love. Yeah. So just saying, you know, Paul, mm-hmm. one of the things we, we learned in this episode is that Rafi, she loves uh, Jean-Luc Picard and he loves her back. He does. He does. He he was reluctant to say it. She says, you know, you don't have to say it back. But, you know, and I know I broke the rules by hugging you and telling you I love you, but you've done so much for me. And when she said that, I was like, and to you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. He he got you fired from Starfleet. He got your, you, you know, he, he got, he, he, his decision to quit Starfleet resulted in your ruination and loss of family. You can say it. You can say it. What he did to you. <laughs> <laughs> but he did help her on the road back. Right. Yeah. Um, and she says, you know, I love you. And, and, and she says, but you don't have to say it back. And he's like, I don't have to say it back. She goes, no, you don't have to say it back. And he's like, okay. And he starts to walk away. And then just kind of over his shoulder, he offers, I love you too, Rafi. And he's so uncomfortable with having shared that tender side of himself that he just has to walk away. In fact, when Rios passes him, you know, he just gives Rios the talk to the hand kind of thing because, you know, I had to get emotional yeah. with Rafi. Which I thought was interesting. Like, I, 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 it never struck me that Picard was, un, un, you know, was uh, uncomfortable with sharing emotion. I, You know, I, I, I feel like at the end of Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, in, in uh, All Good Things, you know, he recognizes that he needs to embrace people, that he needs to bring people into his life and, and seek to join theirs. You know, there's that great scene where he plays poker with the rest of, of his crew uh, for the first time, you know, and mm-hmm. says, I should have done this all along. And they said, you, you were always welcome. Um, I feel like they've stepped the character back. And, you know, I think they've made a strong story case as to why they did. Yeah. Because he, you know, he he went into seclusion for so, for so long after uh, the Mars attack. But, uh, you know, he's, he's having some hard times, you know, dealing with, with, with the emos. Um, meanwhile, you know, Narek has been picked up by the androids and has been, you know, thrown into custody. And, uh, you know, we had met, I think, earlier in the episode, uh, you know, uh, one of the androids, and I suddenly can't remember her name. Oh, Arcana. And, well, her sister, you know, Arcana just seems, you know, just sweet and nice, just like almost all the other androids there. Well, her sister, Saga is keeping watch over Narek as he's, you know, locked up on this uh, porch secured by force fields. And you can tell that she's just a little too naive to be watching the prisoner because he's like, you know, if I could get a drink of water, I'd really like a drink of water. Is this how you treat your prisoners? And she says, uh, you know, well, we've never had a prisoner before. How do Romulans treat their prisoners? Which I thought was a great line. And he says, let's change the subject. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he convinces her to, you know, come in and, you know, check on him. And when Soji comes walking up, he's like, don't let the Romulan out. I'll take over from here. Uh, you know, you go do your thing. And, uh, you know, she and, and Narek have this confrontation. And Narek's like, you know, baby, I was so worried about you. Baby, baby, you know, that wasn't me. I wasn't trying to kill you. You Something went weird when you, when you did the, the Romulan meditation. And she's like, you know, you're horrible. You're, 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 I, I pity you. You're terrible. 
and uh, you know, I'm disgusted with myself that I loved you. And he and he's like, but baby, I love you. And then he goes absolutely cold when uh, you know she doesn't buy his his stuff, and he's like, well, that's okay. The Romulans are coming, and they're going to kill every so-called living one of you. I mean, he goes really ugly, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, it, which was a, this great contrast between baby, you know, baby, you know, I love you. Don't be stingy, girl. Come on, you know, I'm hurting. You know, he gave her that whole line, and then uh, went completely dark. I, I, I that was a nice contrast. Yeah, it was a good scene, you but, know, because that actor, yeah. you know, he, he they, it, they, it's kind of funny because they really invested in him in the first five episodes and since yeah. then he's just kind of been sitting in a ship off screen yeah. right so it was good to see him back off yeah. screen she she calls him a sad and twisted thing mm-hmm. but you know this is causing a th- this whole line of conversation with Narek and what she heard in the admonition is really causing a hardening within Soji. She goes to talk to Picard, Picard who's on, who's trying to get uh, Starfleet on the line because you know he's wanting protection uh, for Capellius and all of its denizens. It's a first contact situation, he says, but nobody's picking up the phone. Soji is starting to ask the questions about what's the value, what's the logic of taking life to save life? What's the logic of sacrifice? And Picard is really uncomfortable with this line of questioning. You know, what are you talking about here? I'm really kind of un- uncomfortable with this. <laughs> you know, Picard really doesn't like this line of conversation. Meanwhile, Sutra has relieved Saga uh, you know, so you know, Saga keeps you know get, keep getting bumped from taking care of Narek, and Sutra. You know, remember she is the the sister of Jana who is murdered on the Ibn Majid, and she's the one who's you know got some uh, space issues, and you know just we. He's nice, bit of a close talker. A what? You'll see. She's a close talker, I think is what I want to say. And, you know, she'll get there right up in your face. And uh, she relieves Saga to, to visit with Nar- Narek. And she, you know, essentially says, you know, I can't figure out if I if I need you more than I want to kill you. She decides there's plenty of time to kill him later. Uh, and she enables Narek to escape by taking this lovely little pin thing that uh, Sutra has on on her dress and stabbing it right into her eye. Yeah. Yeah, we don't actually see that on screen, but we do see, you know, the the remnants of, of Sutra with the pen sticking out of her eye. And this continues the hardening that we see in Soji. You know, Soji is 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 continuing to view the admonition as an opportunity to save her people. And this causes Sung to flip. Sung, who seemed very receptive to Picard at the beginning of the episode, is so horrified by what happens to Sutra that he immediately, well, not what happens to Sutra, what happens to Saga, that he immediately flips over to the side that, you know, we, we probably should do this whole admonition thing. You know, Picard's like, wait, 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 I will be your representative. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll all get on the La Serena, we'll fly back to the Federation, I will represent you to Starfleet, and they will listen to me. And Sung says, exactly what i said at, at, at the at the screen at that moment it says no they won't <laughs> they didn't listen to you after mars they're not going to listen to you now and uh i mean everything just starts going super south here because soji jumps on the admonition train you know she agrees that you know she's got to save these lives and you know i can only take care of these i think picard missed the opportunity here to say you're killing kestra if you do this the admonition artificial intelligence that's going to come and save everybody all the sense is going to kill every organic being in the quadrant that includes Kestra, you know, uh, Riker and Troy's daughter. I think, I think that's the argument he should have made. Why would you support this? But, you know, not, not too surprisingly, Gerardi jumps on the pro admonition bandwagon as well though i suspect that her reasoning is not what she said she said you know i can help dr sung with his golem i think it's actually i can help with this golem and put picard in it yeah i really think that that is her motivation there because she was i mean if you cut back to the scene where she finds out that picard's dying i mean she is crushed by that uh you know she she Despite the fact that she's a horrible human being because she just so cavalierly killed uh, Bruce Maddox. Uh, and by the way, 
If you're Picard at the beginning of the episode where you wake up in the sick bay and you see Gerardi standing over you, don't you scream like a little girl? Yeah, why would they leave her <laughs> <laughs> alone with them? Because, you know, the last time she was left alone in sick bay with somebody, that guy died. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, why? why and I, he didn't just die. He was murdered. I mean, why wasn't I, I, the, the EMH couldn't be there because the power was off. But I'm thinking anybody there would be better than having Dr. Gerardi there. If I woke up, you know, after having passed out, if I woke up on a hospital bed and I've got Gerardi looking over me, I am going to, that is going to be me. (laughs) I am going to scream like a little girl, Paul. (laughs) See, And that goes back to my comment earlier, like, oh, they just like trusted her (laughs) alone with Picard. Yeah. But, you know, Sutra, you know, uses all of this energy to get everyone to support her. And, of course, you know, she's the monster who had Narek kill Saga to create this whole situation, mm-hmm. right? And Narek, who is running to, uh, I, you know, out towards the La Serena and uh, the Borg artifact, you know, we'll see more what's going to happen with him next time. Our, our hero, Jean-Luc Picard, is placed under house arrest. We cut to credits. We, we pick this up in uh, the next episode yeah. to conclude this story. I, I got to tell you, Paul. I really enjoyed this episode. I picked out a number of things in the episode, but I really enjoyed this episode. I watched it twice. You know, I, I thought it was fine. You know, I mean, they were, I, I definitely oh, had. I thought it was fine. <laughs> well, because I, I, def- I had issues with the, the, the treatment of Gerardi. I did. Um, yeah. You know, I had issues with the treatment. Everything that we're talking about, you know, the treatment of Narek. I'm like, why? Why did they even bother bringing that guy into the show? Because he, he's contributed nothing um, that they couldn't have written their way out of. Um mm-hmm. You know, so so some of the the writing is frustrating to me on this show because you know we're ten episodes in. I feel like this would have been a very clean four episode, five episode series. You and your whittling down of episodes. I have never heard you speak once, Paul. Not once about any TV show. <laughs> Where you have not said, uh, you know, it probably had, you know, three or five episodes too many. I, you know, it gave this me 10 true. hours of programming. I think it would have been better with five. They gave me uh, Don't even get me started on The Outsider, because I saw that this week, too. <laughs> and that was 10 hours that could have really been put in two and a half hour movie. Um, no, I, I do feel like. You strike me as that twisted son of a bitch who listens to his podcasts at one and a half speed. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, whatever, maybe. <laughs> I don't have time to waste. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd like to point out that you're on uh, you're you're on work from home <laughs> right now because of uh, the quarantine. You got nothing but nothing time. but time. <laughs> no, I thought it was a good episode. I mean, I did. I, I enjoyed certain aspects of it, but I did. You know, I, I definitely had issues with some of the stuff that we've already talked about, like Gerardi, like our on the like um. Yeah. But I'm very curious to see you know how the story is going to to wrap up. I like that. For me, I like that like the purpose of this series has now become clear, right? Because the first really five episodes ish, maybe even six, was really about finding Soji. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well we found Soji, now what? Oh, let's get her home. Okay, okay, okay. So they're gonna take her home. But now that we're there, like the purpose of this series is starting to make sense to me. And so I liked how that, that, that came together. It's really clear to me, you know, the Romulans are their own self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, the fact that they were scared of this thing is, is what has caused it to come to being. You know, and that's, that's really sort of on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, that they created this whole, you know, Jadvash organization to protect Romulan society and, and the rest of uh, the alpha and beta quadrants from you know the the horrors of synthetics and all they're doing is bringing this all right down on top of them um you know had they would have been better off doing nothing had they had they found the admonition and then just carpet bombed the planet with uh you know plasma torpedoes uh they'd have been better off as opposed to to acting on that information no it's on them it's their fault i am equally excited and sad for uh, the final episode of this season to to come out next week, uh, I, uh, I, I I've really enjoyed Star Trek Picard. It's going to be a while before we get new Star Trek Picard. I, there haven't been any announcements about this, but given where we are with uh, the coronavirus, uh, you know, we're hearing about production shutting down. Um, mm-hmm. 
they they had planned to have uh, Star Trek Picard to us early 2021. I don't see how that happens now. Yeah, I don't. I don't because everything's so going to back up because they're only producing one live action Star Trek show at a time. We know Discovery season three just wrapped. They were getting ready to go with the Section 31 show, but I don't believe they've even gotten to start shooting yet. Uh, so, however long this kicks out, it's going to kick Picard out that much further. Yeah, I think you are Sad. you are accurate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, Discovery won't be delayed too long. You know, it was already all filmed, but some. But what we're seeing is sometimes post production uh, is also being delayed on, on on certain things, especially special effects houses, things like that. But it is uncanny to me how closely they run the uh, special effects and the final edits and cuts and whatnot. Yeah. Right up to the end, but we also know, you know, that they they uh, bring in a full orchestra to shoot these soundtracks, and you can't put all those guys together. Yeah. So unless they completely rework the way they do business, I think they're they're done doing any of that kind of production except for stuff that can be done from home uh, until the the bands lifted. Yeah, exactly. Because I, you know, I don't yeah. think that. Discovery season two was in a place where if they started to release episodes in April, that we would be that everything would be back to business and they'd be able to get to stay on top of things to still release it at a weekly schedule. Uh, we've already seen it happen with The Walking Dead. Uh, you know, the, the, the spinoff of the walking dead that was supposed to premiere in April, they said, well, we can't do post production. You know, we've got a, for, uh, you know, a few episodes done, but we don't have enough episodes done if we don't get back to work. Um, right. You know, it's all filmed. But, you know, post-production and all that, they're like, we can't we can't do that and still get episodes out timely. So, you know, I I think we're going to see that affect uh, our stuff. But, hey, you know, just like uh, all those people who are watching old NFL games right now, uh, this (laughs) Sunday, we you know, we we, we certainly have plenty of Star Trek to discuss with you over the uh, the coming months. We want to know what you thought about this episode of Star Trek Picard and what you thought about season one so far. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number again, 972-763-5903. You know you've got all the time in the world right now to give us a call. You know, you could just call us and we could like fall asleep together on the phone. We could do that. You know, I just want to hear you breathe, you know. Do it. Give us a call. And, and Speak if, softly. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek, uh, at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What a deal. Well, Paul, we'll do this all over again next week. Yes, sir. We will catch you guys next time. Scrub all surfaces. <laughs> Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers. Conveniently located on the promenade.